Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Today is the final day to enroll at the Entree Architect Profit Workshop. It's a five-week interactive training program to help small firm architects plan for profit. Don't let your financial frustrations get in the way of you being the architect you want to be. Invest only five weeks into your financial future and enjoy the results for a lifetime. Deadline to enroll is today, Friday, February 1st, 2019 at midnight, 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. Enroll now at entrearchitect.com slash profit workshop. My name is Mark R. LePage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. And this is episode 256. This week, I'm with my friend Paul Rugarber, and we're talking about how to build a positive office culture at your architecture firm. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our friends and platform sponsors, RCAP, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM, specifications, and so much more at RCAT.com. FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time doing the work you love. And Gusto's back. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for small businesses like us. Gusto is helping to create a world where work empowers a better life. Paul Rugarber, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you, Mark. It is a pleasure to be here. <laughs> it's good to have you here. Uh, Paul and I go way back, way back. Way back. Definitely, we, you and I, Paul, have the, the most history of anybody that's ever been on the show. Uh, Paul and I went to architecture school together. And so, I don't know, 89, we met yes. know, as freshmen yeah. in architecture school. So, yeah. so that's, that's a long time ago. <laughs> you think about it. You don't yeah. think about how long ago that it was, but it's a long time ago. So let me introduce you, Paul. Let me, because uh, mm-hmm. not everybody knows who you are. Paul Rugarber. He is uh, the architect and owner of PDR Designs, an architectural firm specializing in guiding the owner through the process of residential design and construction along the Jersey Shore since 2008. He's a registered architect in New Jersey and New York and a member of the Institute of Architects. He's also an author, a speaker. He's a facilitator at Entree Architect in the Academy. Um, he's also probably one of the most positive people I know. Probably, Thank you. I would say he's probably the most positive person I know. Um, very inspirational, motivational, um, always sharing his knowledge and working hard to make the world a better place. Um, 
and so I wanted to just have Paul come by and, and hang out with me for a little bit. He's doing a lot of good things um, online, offline, you know, sort of promoting his firm, promoting himself, but sort of getting the word out there, spreading his positivity. And I just, I just wanted to get him on here and have a conversation. So let's start, Paul. Let's, let's start with mm-hmm. an origin story. Let's go back to where you discovered architecture, what inspired you to become an architect. And, uh, and then we'll talk about the journey of where you are now. All right. You know, for me, it was when I was little. I didn't know necessarily that I wanted to go into architecture, but my dad had a remodeling company. My grandfather could build everything. Um, and I loved being around the construction, being around, you know, building blocks and things like that. And so as I got into high school, I really didn't have a close to what I wanted to do still. But toward the end, you know, in talking to different people about careers, like, well, you, you have this background, you have this love of construction and design, like, why don't you try architecture? And so, I said, okay, I'd never taken any drawing classes or anything, went into college and a little overwhelmed to begin with, you know, um, but it was a lot of fun and I enjoyed it. I said, wow, this is, this is some cool stuff, you know, to be able to, to design, to see the construction and all that. And it was all things that influenced me growing up that I really enjoyed and, and liked being around. So worked for some companies out of school, uh, really enjoyed the design build aspect. So I had targeted them to go after for jobs and then worked in that sector for a while started my own uh, design build firm in 2008, realized the construction's a lot to do if you're doing the architecture and construction without a partner doing it. Uh, so we stopped doing the construction and we just focus now on the architecture. Um, and it's been great. I, I enjoy the, the working with the clients. I enjoy being able to see something that you've designed, you know, like go down the street and point it out to your kids, right? Hey, hey I did that. And uh, it's a, a great feeling. And knowing that you can help clients the part that's the best is you you can help people that can't vision these things, you know, and so that's what we do. And that's our specialty. And it's not about, you know, details and things. But to me, it's about touching other people's lives through architecture, through a craft that, that we have that other people don't have. And you when you were doing design build, you were swinging a hammer, right? You were out there. Correct. Building, so, right? Yeah. So I started out in the field for them because I, I knew how to build things and I was doing framing and trimming and and that kind of stuff and running projects, you know, running uh, 32,000 square foot custom home projects and hotel renovations and, uh, you know, being the, the guy in charge of everything because I had that skill set, uh, which was very good. And then I would do architecture for the office, um, you know, at the same time, if, if they needed things, I could I could draw things up, um, started my own kind of side business while I was doing that. But yeah, I still, you know, I designed and built my own home. Um, so right now I'm going through a renovation project and I'm doing, you know, the majority of the work here. So it's, to me, it's cool to be able to have that skill set and, and know how the things go together and how to problem solve, uh, things in the field. How do you think that influenced your firm today? Having that experience of actually swinging a hammer? I think that's great. And, you know, I get a lot of work from general contractors and they love the fact that I understand mm-hmm. what they're going through or uh, the importance of things or the way that you can solve problems out in the field without it. Oh, well, on paper, it looks like this, like it should work. You know, why are you telling me it doesn't? Um, so I can understand that and I can teach that to the people in my office and, you know, urge them to go out and look at things. But having that real life knowledge of it um, helps a great deal in being able to put together um, put together details and then also handle issues that come up. So you said you started the firm, you started the, your current firm at two in 2008. Correct. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Um, so about 10 years into it. And, uh, so to talk about that a little bit about how, when you started your firm, why did you start your firm? And then sort of, cause you have a very interesting office culture. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you have a very positive way of, presenting, I mentioned that in the intro that you're a very positive person, but you also have a, you know, you, you work very well with your clients. And so, mm-hmm. um, let's talk about your firm a little bit and how, uh, you think it might be unique in, in some ways. I would say, yeah, the positivity, you know, I appreciate your comments on me being the most positive person, <laughs> you know, um, I try to maintain, you know, perspective in everything that I do. And I look at it and say, okay, it could always be worse. This could be, this could make this situation even worse. So, thank God I'm where I am. You know, it's everything didn't fall down or this didn't happen or, you know, whatever it is, you have two arms to work with. So you could deal with the the things that you have. So influencing that in my office is important to me. 
And then taking that aspect to deal with clients is very important to me of, you know, like, how do you, how do you problem solve with them? And how do you maintain that? Not necessarily rapport, but when, when they're edgy about things and all, how do you maintain your upbeat personality? Because if, if, clients are uh, distraught about something or just the process. There's a lot of things they have to do, a lot of decisions they got to make and they get edgy, right? We've all dealt with that. So if you can just remain calm and explain things to them, it helps with uh, bringing them down, you know, a notch. And uh, I tell you right now, I have these fantastic clients that are similar minded um, and anything that comes up with the project, they're just like, well, you know, we're so thankful that we're being able to afford this house and do this stuff. So we, yeah. we can't worry about this issue. And so it's, it, it's great for me to have a client like that because it, it, yeah. it's just, you know, it's similar to my, my thoughts, but, um, taking that positivity into my office, I think makes a big difference because they see how much I care and, and how much it's, you know, stop grumbling about things. And, and, you know, like one of the things that I do at my office is, uh, I gave everyone a book, um, I should remember the name of it, uh, a complaint free world, right? Because I had an issue with some of them being negative and complaining. So, um, I gave everyone in the office a copy of the book and every Monday meeting we sit down and we read a quote from it and everyone goes around and reads a quote from it. Um, but it's just another way of me saying, okay, how do we, how do we solve this problem? I don't want to hear negativity. I don't want to hear those types of things. I want to be positive no matter what's going on. It could be worse. So what's the bright side and how do we, um, how do we get that across and, and how do we let that influence how we deal with other clients? Because that's the biggest thing to me is I want to be a service driven firm, which I believe we are. And I want to be an upbeat, positive, you know, in all our emails, I tell them add more exclamation points because, you know, like <laughs> I like to be like, we're excited. Hey, have a great day. You know, looking forward to a good weekend, whatever that is. Like, um, you know, you've dealt with companies that someone there, you're like, Oh, it's great talking to that person because they're always upbeat. Like, that's what I want our firm to be. So when, when clients call in or contractors or whoever, like, wow, I love calling them because they're always upbeat and they're happy. And not that it's, you know, happy 24 hours a day, but that's the, the influence that I want to have and people to uh, pick up on when they deal with us. Yeah. I, I, I want to, I wanted to have, I want to dive into this positivity thing. Um, the, the office culture that you're creating, it, it looks like from the outside that you're being very intentional about that, that you sort mm -hmm. of have an end goal on what you want this firm to be in terms of your employees and the staff and how they interact with other people. Um, so, so I want to get into a little bit about, are, are there any tactics that you're using, any strategies that you're using that that's doing that? Or is it just sort of a general vibe that I'm going to be positive? I'm going to encourage others to be positive. Um, and, and they'll be positive or are there more strategic things that you're doing? I wouldn't say it's strategic as far as I've laid things out and said, okay, if I do this, this, and this, it's more of, let's say my personality coming through into the firm and, you know, things like if, if there's an issue, I'm not focusing on the issue and who did it and why and, and pointing fingers, you know, it, one of the things we also have like an accountability sheet. And so I want to know every time we mess up on something, something happens, but I'm not doing it to point fingers and say, you guys screwed up. I'm doing it so we can learn, you know, so I'm, I'm not interested in the negative portion of that. I'm interested in the positive. How do we not do this again? How do we make this situation better? I know it happened. Let's figure out, you know, how we do not do that again. How do we not duplicate that? And so if you take those types of approach um, and you don't let when clients call, there's always issues, whatever they're upset about a bill or, or, or timing on something. I don't take it personally. I'd be upset too if I were in their shoes, probably if I didn't anticipate something or something came up. So I know a lot of people that I talk to, they get very offended when, when someone comes in and they start to argue with them. That's not me. I'm not going to argue with them. If you tell me you're upset about something, I'm going to think about it and say, yeah, I understand. I'd, I'd probably feel the same way you do. So here's what we can do to solve it. I'm not saying, yeah, we screwed up, you know, but I'm saying, I understand what you're going through. And so then if, if you can teach that approach to people, um, you know, we'll do training sessions or I'll do phone calls with clients that are upset about things. I'll put it on speakers. Mm -hmm. So everyone in the office hears it. And so they see like, okay, real time, not me just telling them later. Like, right. You're demonstrating. Yeah. This is yeah. what they said. Um, and this is how I responded. And then afterward, I'll explain to them, here's why I took this approach. Okay. And here's what you should do if something like this happens. Or if I hear, 
to hear them on the phone and I'll guide them afterward and say, okay, here's what I, I kind of heard from my half of the conversation with you. You know, perhaps if you take it this way or this way, uh, the outcome will be different or they'll, they'll appreciate things differently. It's, it sounds like you have uh, a culture of transparency that you sort of, mm-hmm. um, it, and the accountability sheet is interesting too. And so this, the, what you described with the accountability sheet that if there's an, if there's an error somewhere or somebody makes a mistake, we're going to address that and we're going to talk about that. We're going to you know write out a report or whatever we do. Um, and in terms of, you know, if somebody's angry and you're going to demonstrate how you're going to handle this person and maybe give some feedback on how others handle that. Um, how is that sort of, um, manifesting itself does it sort of at the other end of that do you is there some sort of um structure that's involved you know that's created from that or is there a system that's created from that or yeah i think it's just the system of how you deal with people and that gets back to the being service oriented you know like i know if i'm paying top dollar for something i want people to pay attention to me i want calls returned i want someone to be uh upbeat, a little bit happy when I'm talking to them, not like, Oh yeah, you have this issue, you know? And so that's what I say, okay, this is what I would want in dealing with someone. And this is what I want my firm to be like. And so we have, you know, policies in place as to how things necessarily should be handled. Um, we have even, you know, I I love quotes. So I got a big whiteboard, four foot by eight foot whiteboard. Half of it has our jobs on it. Half of it has just quotes and I'm always changing them. We start every Monday meeting with a new quote from someone uh, and talk about it. And I have another board uh, that has a bunch of random quotes on it. And I have um, clients have come in to the office and taken pictures of my boards because they're like, oh, my God, I love all this, you know. And so it, it affects them by knowing even if before they deal with me, let's say they come in, but then they see this is of my this is my mindset. This is how I'm going to handle them. They like to see that someone's upbeat and and that's how they're handling things. So from a client perspective, I think it's good when they realize I'm dealing with someone that that cares about us and someone that's upbeat and positive and the firm is that way. And then you could, you know, I could see that in my progression of emails from um, from my staff to clients, you know, that they're upbeat and you get a better response from people when they know that that's how you are. You know, so it affects their responses to you. Do you, do you, do you ever experience any sort of pushback from your, from your employees when, you know, an accountability sheet comes out or maybe for the first time, this new system, this new sheet, you know, maybe when we first introduced that, was that embraced because the culture sort of is the culture of that and they expect things like that? Or was there some pushback and how did you handle that? I think the way I introduced it was because we had had a string of, you know, whatever, a couple drawings in a row. It seemed like things came back and that frustrated me. Like, why is this happening? It shouldn't be. So I said, let's start this accountability sheet. And um, so I introduced it to them and said, look, here's why we're doing this. I'm not looking to point fingers, although we have like, you know, the name of who's responsible Mm -hmm. and what job it is. And then we have what the issue is and how it's going to be resolved so that everybody knows we can look at this and say, okay, here's the resolution so that this doesn't happen again. Maybe it's a typical detail we needed to change. Maybe it's a process that we needed to create or a process we needed to alter uh, within the firm. But so I introduce it as I'm not, I don't want to point blame at anyone, but we have to be accountable for what we're doing and we need to know that we're getting better. You know, it's okay. You make a mistake. I, I get it. Um, I'm paying to educate you, but let's not make that same mistake again. And so when they look at it in that light, um, I think it was received well because I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to say, Hey, you guys screwed up. Why is this happening? What's going on? And I tell everyone, take a hundred percent accountability for your jobs. And I take a hundred percent accountability when you're screwing up your jobs, because ultimately it's my fault, right? Everything that happens. So if there's a process that was missing, that's my fault. I run mm-hmm. the firm. And so I'll tell them that I said, part of this is on me because I should have been watching this more. I should have, you know, taught you better about this. But part of this is on you because you're at a, a point where you should have known about this or you should have been able to address it. Yeah. Jocko Willink calls it extreme ownership. Yeah. Great book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you take yep. you take extreme ownership in everything. Everything mm-hmm. that ex- happens in your life, any any good things, any bad things, you take full ownership of it, whether it's your fault or not, you just deal with it. 
Right. Um, yeah. And I've used that book as an example and, and told stories from it uh, to everyone about, uh, like you said, you got to be responsible for everything. It's 100 percent you. Yeah. It, how important is hiring? How important are the people that you're you're bringing into your firm? Um, because I'm assuming that you're sort of looking for specific people to you know, build this culture in your office. So how, how important is hiring and, and what's sort of the process to get the right people in place? Hiring is a, a big piece of it. And, you know, right now I think to get people, to get good people is difficult, right? There's not a whole lot of people out there looking for things. Um, so right now there's a, a kid in school right now that I've talked to a few times that I'm, you know, courting or, or whatever that, you know, I'd like him to come into the office when he graduates, partly because of his, his personality. He's got mm-hmm. a great personality, great outlook, uh, had a tough life kind of from his past, but he's still upbeat and positive. Um, so that's, I like him, you know, I like yeah. uh, what he represents. So I'm going to try to get him in, but the other people then do they have the skill set? you know, the skill set you could teach the personality you can uh, massage a little bit, but you're not going to uh, change it entirely. Right. So you do have to look at that and say, okay, who's going to fit in my office? Um, and how do I, how do I alter their way of thinking? Let's say you're not going to change it hundred percent, but at least while you're here, this is what's expected. Are you, are you doing anything during the the hiring process that's intentional or like that? I'm, because typically when somebody's interviewing for a job, that's not the real person. You're not meeting the real person. Right. Right. Uh, you're not meeting the person until you know a week later after they've mm-hmm. been working in your office for a little while and something happens and they respond to it. Right. Um, that's when that real person comes out. So are, are there anything, is there anything that you're doing and maybe not to sort of find the real person? Yeah. So we have a more interesting, uh, process for hiring. So I have pages of questions that I ask, but we started out when we advertise, um, we put an ad in, you know, wherever LinkedIn or whatever else we're doing. Um, and it has a phone number to call on there. No resumes to be sent in, just call a phone number And in the phone message. We say, Hey, we're a little bit different. We're a little bit unique. And this is what I want you to do. I give them three questions. I said, answer these questions. And so it's something that they're not ready for. It makes them think on the yeah, spot. It throws them off a little, yeah. And um, I've had people hang up, you know, because then they got to think about the question, then they'll call back and, <laughs> and leave it. I've had people just start to talk. and. Oh, so you totally want them off. to answer the question right there I'm, on the call, on the, yeah, on the, and that's, the machine, that's how the voicemail. I don't, I don't look at a resume or anything based on how they speak mm-hmm. is who I'm going to call back. Interesting. And so then, then when we call them back, I have a whole list of questions and the questions really is designed to make them uncomfortable. Cause like you said, you don't, you know, Oh, what's your strengths and what's your weaknesses? You know, like I want them to be surprised, taken aback and see how they react to it. You know, it, cause if they're going to deal with clients or they're going to deal with me or they got to communicate, how do you communicate? It's, yeah. it's a real big piece. And it's part of that could be taught, but you gotta, you gotta know up, up front and are they mumbling and, and can't put a sentence together or are they at least trying to do something. Um, so that's, you know, step one. And then we'll call back people that we like, and I have a list of questions for the first call. And then if we like that, then I'll have them send me a resume. I'll look at that. I'll call them back again. And I have a bunch of different questions and it could be, you know, from what books have you read and, uh, whatever, what's your favorite color? You know, at the end of the interviews, I'll ask, you know, what's, who's your favorite superhero and why (laughs) that usually throw people for a loop. Yeah. But I, I, I want to put them under pressure and ask different things. And then, so let's say they pass that, bring them in for um, an interview in the office. You know, I'll meet with them. I'll put them on the computer, you know, depending who it is and um, have them do something so that I can see how are you, how are you doing things? How are you reacting under pressure with someone standing there looking over you, telling you do this and this. And then I'll, if I like them, I'll bring them back to meet the other team members too and see, okay, how do they think they are? You know, what do they feel about them? Then we'll talk about the person and decide who it is we want to bring on board. But it's a very specific process written out, and we go through the same thing, and that way uh, it, it helps you to vet out people. Has it worked? Quickly. Has it worked every time? Um, no, I wouldn't say every time, but I would, it gives me a much better yeah. chance of getting it right. You know, and, and then also... Go ahead. Like when I, uh, my office manager... Um, that I have right now, I had, you know, gone through that process with her and interviewed her. And then I took her out to lunch because, you know, mm-hmm. people are more relaxed when you're eating and you're going to 
talk a lot more freely. Right. You get to see someone's true personality rather right. than sitting, yep. sitting in front of you answering everything correctly. Um, so that was very good. Uh, I try to do that now with some of the people too, like, you know, depending on how the personality feels, let's sit down and, and talk in a more relaxed manner and you can get to people open up more, you know? Yeah. I think with the meal, I think people sit down and you have a, you know, it's, it's you have some time, you know, mm -hmm. there's not such a structured environment. Um, you're, it's a little, it's a neutral environment, you know, so it's right. not in your office. It's not somewhere they're comfortable. You're sort of in this neutral, neutral place. Do you, once you've hired somebody, do you have like a probationary period that, you know, it's so, so when that real person does come out and it's a dragon, you know, <laughs> is there an opportunity to sort of easily let them go that it's not going to fit or, or is how do you handle yeah. that? So we have, I call it a three, three month probationary period in which, you know, like here's kind of my expectations of what I expect you're going to be able to do. Um, and then, you know, at that point I've never let someone go at that point. Um, so things have worked out, but, um, that's what I tell them in the beginning of your, it's, it's a test, test period still for us, you know, to see if I like you and you like this and everything's going to work out. Okay. But I think that's important just so that they know, Hey, you're not in and, you know, don't worry about anything at this point, you know, like bring your a game every day and let's see, see what you got. Right. Right. And, and in that probationary period, you really find out who they are because mm -hmm. you'll have enough time to sort of have them bump into some of these, you know, challenges and see how they right. handle them and the real personality. And, uh, very interesting. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, RCAT, FreshBooks, and Gusto. For years when I needed information on manufacturer's products, I headed straight to Google. Then I sifted through the hundreds of results to find the one or two that might be the link to the product that I'm looking for. And more often than not, it wasn't what I was looking for. It was outdated or it didn't meet my requirements. So I went back to the search engine and I started all over again. Have you done this? Have you been through the Google loop? I know it sounds familiar. I have a better way, rcat.com. Find what you're looking for in seconds. It was built for us. It's there for us. Building product information, BIM, CAD, custom specifications using their exclusive spec wizard tool. So make RCAT a part of your efficient project workflow every day. Just type in entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. That's A-R-C-A-T, entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. Put that into your internet browser and add that to your favorites and then visit RCAT for every project. Find what you need fast and make more money on every project. entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track your time for your whole team, buy project, and get organized with reports, communication, and notification. Getting started with FreshBooks is ridiculously easy. Most people send their first invoice in seconds after starting their free trial. The same goes for time tracking, managing expenses, collaborating with contractors, and viewing financial reports. It's fast, it's easy, it will change the way you do business. And if you need help at any time, their free award-winning customer service is just a phone call or email away. And if you ever have second thoughts, don't worry. On top of their free trial for Entree Architect listeners, you get a 30-day money-back guarantee. So you don't ever have to worry about choosing FreshBooks. So give FreshBooks a try. It's free for 30 days. Just visit EntreeArchitect.com slash FreshBooks and then let them know that we sent you by sharing Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's EntreeArchitect.com slash FreshBooks to access your free, unlimited 30-day trial. Payroll and benefits. When you hear those words, you get all excited and you're ready to roll and that's what you want to do. No. Payroll and benefits are hard. They're not fun, especially when you're a small business. You don't have time to be an expert in things like taxes and regulation. The old school payroll providers, you know who they are. They're just not built for the way that we work today. Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for small businesses like us. Modern technology does all the heavy lifting, so it's easy for you to get it right. There's no longer having to be part of that big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service for your team. To help support our show, the Entree Architect Podcast, Gusto is offering listeners 
a limited time deal. It's exclusive to us. Sign up today and you'll get three, three months, three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to entrearchitect.com slash gusto, check it out and claim your three months of payroll processing for free. That's entrearchitect.com slash gusto. Arcat, FreshBooks, and Gusto. Please visit our platform sponsors today and say thank you to them for supporting us and you, the Entree Architect community. Where do you think, I mean, like I mentioned, very positive person, where, where do you think that comes from in you? I mean, and, and that's a personal question. So if you're not interested in answering that one, we can move on. Yeah. But, but where, does that, where does that come from inside of you? Because you, you said that you sort of look at everything in a positive way. If things don't go well, you have a lot of gratitude. You know, the gratitude comes through very strongly. Where does that come from? Is that from the way you were raised or how does that, where does that come from? I'd like to say it's the way I was raised, you know, um, brought up in a Catholic household and went to church every Sunday and uh, had strict rules on what we could do, what we couldn't do, what was expected of us. Um, so my dad, I would say, my mom and my dad are very positive people. And, you know, they'd leave notes in my lunchbox and, you know, have a great day and you're a special person and that kind of thing, which that touched me. You know, I really liked that. And so I, I try to bring that to what I do. Mm -hmm. And, but, you know, everyone thinks about things or takes things differently. You can raise kids the same way. And some of them are one way, some of them are a different way. You hope that the basic morals support is the, the same in them. Um, so I think it's uh, faith driven, you know, a mm -hmm. big believer, you know, I wear a cross and I don't go to church every Sunday. Uh, you know, I stopped doing that years ago, but I still feel that I have a strong connection, uh, with God. And then that, that helps drive me. You know, I mm -hmm. try to, to me, religion is just being a good person and trying to spread that to others. It's as simple as it is. I don't care what you believe in or yep. what you do. Uh, but that's what I believe. Just be a good person and try to spread that to others. So that's what I try to do. And I've also, you see people that are negative and you think, okay, so maybe if they're negative and they get to bitch and moan about things that they'll feel better. Well, no, because none of them are happier or feel better ever. Right. They just get more negative. And you know what? Life is what it is. So you can make the best of it. You can make the worst of it. You know, you could be in a wheelchair and, and, and be happy. You could be in a wheelchair and be miserable. You could have two arms and two legs and be absolutely miserable. Like, why? You know, like we're here for a short time in our, in our lives. So I want to enjoy it, you know? And so I think that comes with your perspective. How do you, how do you look at events that happen to you? And then we get to determine what are our reactions going to be, you know? So we can't affect always the things that happen to us. Maybe we got in a car crash, but you know, maybe I'm thankful that I didn't die or, or my kids weren't hurt or something like that. So, okay, it's an inconvenience. Yeah, I could bitch and moan about it and and have a miserable time because of it where I could look at it and say, okay, good thing nothing worse happened. I can deal with this. You know, what am I doing tonight or whatever? So it's it, to me, it's a matter of perspective. And growing up, I think my parents gave me a good perspective. Um, and that's what helped to shape me. Yeah. Life is a choice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Everything that happens to you, yeah. you can choose to embrace it and roll with mm -hmm. it and, and see this positive side of it, or you can look for the negative side of it and complain about it and look for reasons to run. And it's a choice. And right. sometimes that choice is hard. It's a hard choice. Sometimes mm -hmm. difficult to make that choice. Um, and sometimes it's extremely difficult, you know, you know, mm -hmm. luckily, you know, thank God that you and I are both healthy and, you know, right. things, things are going well for us. And, you know, and, you know, there are some people out there who have physical problems or mental problems mm -hmm. and, you know, it's still a choice, you know, right. and, and, uh, and so it's, it's, I, 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 one of the things I wanted to talk about a little bit is that, that, um, you bring that positivity and that message and I see that spirituality. I have a very strong, uh, spirituality as well. So we're on the same page with that. Um, I see that in your personal videos, beyond your, your office and your architecture. Um, you are all over the internet. Mostly, I see you mostly on Instagram and Facebook mm -hmm. um, doing these short little motivational videos, just standing in front of your, of your phone and, and talking to me. Yeah, you know, so, so where does that come from? Why are you doing that? Those are something that, you know, I started years ago and it was, I wanted to do something like that, you know, because I see 
how negative people get. And I see like, what's the point, you know, like that's not helping you to be any happier. And, and I want people to be able to have a different perspective on life. And I think they could be taught, you know, they just need to know, well, well, how, you know, how, how do you do that? Why, why would you look at things differently? And so, you know, for a while I thought about, oh, I should do something like this. And it's scary to take that first step and put yourself out there and say, Hey, these are my thoughts. This is how I feel. And, you know, who knows what people are going to say about it. And so one day I just decided I was at my house. Okay, let me just shoot something. And, you know, I'm probably like dripping in sweat, nervous about, you know, talking into this little black box, my phone, even though there's no one there, you know, that I'm talking to, but you just get nervous on video. And um, so I I did something, something short. It took me like, you know, a hundred takes of that didn't work. Start over, start over, start over. Because you just, when you're nervous, you're not thinking about, what you want to say and you're not thinking clearly you're thinking about oh my god how are people going to perceive me you know is this the angle right is the volume okay if you can take that stuff out then you can get more comfortable and you can just talk relaxed and so i started to just put a few things out and you know people would comment not that i have a, a huge following but i'm amazed at the people that do comment about things like oh i didn't even know they knew i i did that you know and, and people say hey you know i love the videos it, it's really up upbeat it, and so that drives me, you know, to want to do it more. But it's just a matter of putting it out once in a while. I'm, I like to read a lot. And so I'd, I'd read something, you know, inspirational and, you know, John Maxwell or someone. And I'm like, oh, like, I wish I could share that with people. And you can, you know, you yeah. <laughs> pick up your phone, you can share it with whoever you want. Um, so that's what started it, you know, just wanting to do it and finally taking a step and saying, OK, I'm going to do it. And then just trying to be consistent with it and spread whatever, love, cheer, uh, goodwill, positive vibes, uh, you know, believe in the universe and energy and all that. But what we give out is what comes back to us. Totally agree. And so, you know, if I can spread good things and help other people, then that's going to come back to me in, in some way. So I just started doing it. And now I try to post on, you know, Facebook fairly regularly. Again, I'm still amazed at the people, you know, sometimes it's clients that'll say something about it. Uh, sometimes it's other, you know, a contractor or even the kids, uh, woman at the front office in my, uh, daughter's school made a comment to her about, Oh yeah, you know, follow your dad. I love the stuff he's doing. And she was like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it's awesome. a different, different people see it and it makes you feel good. You know, like, Hey, I'm, I'm helping someone. I'm affecting someone's lives. You know, like like what you do with the, the entree architect. You're you're helping other people. You're like, wow, like that's got to feel good. You know, to to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, that's my. I say this all the time. That's my fuel. When somebody comes back and and says thank you, it's like, yeah. that's I, I was born. You know, that's right. yeah, it's I worth thrive it. on that. You know, that's mm-hmm. the fuel. I, even as a child, you know, uh, you know, sort of encouragement and and support. And when I got that, it was just like, okay, I got to do more of that. You know, yeah, it, I just right. thrive on that. And so uh, mm-hmm. I could see how, you know, response to what you're doing uh, will c- continue to help you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, If somebody wanted to follow you, how, what's the best way to connect with you on for that? On, on Facebook, on, you know, that's on Paul your personal, personal page. Yeah, my personal page on Instagram, same thing. Um, put shorter clips up there, but, you know, that'd be the best way. Um, the Facebook is the most. And then, uh, I have a bunch of stuff up on YouTube too. I have some different channels, but um, I think there's a Paul Rugarber page for YouTube. Um, and then, you know, I started another channel recently doing uh, renovation stuff. Yeah, I wanted to talk, to talk about talk that about a little that. bit. Yeah, so describe what you're doing. Because actually, um, you do you do video. I, I actually was just searching you yesterday because I, I, I follow your new channel. Mm-hmm. And I was looking, hey, you did some other channels. And so you had another channel yeah. about the Jersey Shore and construction mm-hmm. building, I think building and constru- uh, uh, at the Jersey Shore. Um, and then you also um, you know, have, have your personal channel. But your new mm-hmm. channel is um what is it 607 foreman Foreman. yeah 607 foreman transformation so what uh you know we bought a house in point pleasant beach and that's our address 607 foreman ave and it's an old victorian needs a lot of work and so i thought you know a lot of people you you hear them talk about the documenting the process, you know, like people like to see the final picture. That's great. But document the process. People like to see the process that you go through, you know, like all the HGTV shows and all like it's not necessarily about the end result. That's cool. But you can't make a, a show just showing that picture. But if you can document the process, 
it's neat to see what happens. And so we decided, or I decided and roped everyone else in the family into it. Like, <laughs> let's, uh, you know, let's start this renovation and let's do videos of it. So, you know, my girlfriend and I, we shot, uh, we bought the house together. So we shot an intro video of, Hey, this is just us in our goofy lives and we have fun and this is what we're going to do, renovate it. And now we just shoot, you know, we're documenting as things go on the demolition showing all the kids getting involved and anything that we can do because I think we do a lot of fun with it and, you know, we have a special relationship and we can laugh her and joke around a lot. We're both similar minded. So I said, let's, let's document that. And, um, it's been great. I had same result. I get, you know, clients or other people meeting me like, Hey, I was checking that out and, you know, I love what you guys are doing. And you're like, Oh wow. Like that's cool. So it's, that is, uh, we talked before about being strategic and things that you're mm -hmm. doing. I'm looking to build a brand of, you know, me so that people can get to know me better and, and people, it's not just, uh, I'm not out preaching about things, but this is what I do, you know, and this is, this is why I love architecture. This is why I love construction. This is who I am. You know, the inspirational videos are, are part of that. It, it's part of me. That's, that's who I am. And if you like that, maybe you're going to hire me for things, or maybe I'm going to branch out into other avenues, but that's, I like letting people into my life. Um, I think that that endears you to people because mm -hmm. you're being honest, you know, and you're saying like, I'm not just talking about something, but this is how I live. This is how I act. Um, even, you know, like I, I wrote a book and there were things I wrote in the book that um, a lot of people told me to take out. I talked about, you know, getting divorced and dealing with kids, you know, just shortly. I mean, it's an architecture book, but right. I, I, yeah. I talked about What's my the name of the book life. so people can it's, find it. Uh, from architecture to construction. Okay. Yeah, we'll have a link to that on the on the show notes. Yeah, and you can find that on Amazon. You can go to our, uh, you know, pdrdesigns.com, our, our web page, um, and find that. But, you know, again, I put things in there that were personal to me, and it was purposeful because I think if you let people into your life, that they're going to do the same and open up and let you into their lives more. Um, so uh, I'm not afraid to put, well, let's say, okay, I am afraid sometimes to put myself <laughs> out there because it's a little scary, you know, yeah. to say, this is me personally and like it or not. Uh, but it's worked out, you know, for the best. So I, I don't have any regrets in doing that. And I think letting people into your lives, being real honest with clients, uh, helps them to appreciate you helps not just clients, but friends, family, everyone else. Um, they know that you're real, you're sincere, you're honest and yeah. people trust that. That's a very good strategy to, to sort of build a personal brand parallel with your business brand. Right. Um, to, to, um, let people know who you are and where mm -hmm. you, where you stand and, you know, you'll build a tribe around that and that tribe sure. will recommend you to people who, you know, like you and, mm -hmm. you know, and you'll end up with those clients that you have, that you, that you love that have similar personalities. Cause right. you know, maybe the, those clients followed you and watched you and saw you and knew who you were and, you know, connected with you and said, Hey, mm -hmm. that's somebody who <clears throat> is just like us. We're going to work with him and you know, and, and they're the same thing. It's also going to filter out the people who, who don't like what you're presenting and how you're presenting mm -hmm. it. Um, because sometimes you, you know, you get sometimes get pretty personal in the things that you're you're messaging and you're talking mm -hmm. about. Um, and there are probably people out there who disagree with some of what you're saying. Right. And so you're going to fil filter out those people too. And so, you know, there, it goes both ways. And so it's interesting mm -hmm. to follow you and, uh, watch you build this personal brand and watch you build your, your business. Yeah. Well, it's like, uh, you know, talking with enthusiasm. So like, you know, if, if you read, you know, books about speaking or business or things, they, they say like, be enthusiastic about what you do. And so if you're over the top enthusiastic, you may turn off some people, but for the most part, you're going to attract a ton of people because they like that someone that's passionate and enthusiastic right. about what they do. So I'm willing to put myself out there. If you don't like me personally, you don't have to do business with me. I'm okay with that, right. but I'm going to attract a lot more people then people are there are going to go away. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, I love your personality. I love your positivity. Um, the, 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 the discipline and the consistency of what you're doing is impressive. Um, I think others should, should reach out to you and, and, and subscribe because I think you're a great role model, uh, in, you. in what you're doing, both business and personal. Uh, so thanks for hanging out with me here and, and sharing a little <laughs> bit about your life and hearing a little bit of the background of Paul Rugarber. Sure. It's uh, quite enjoyable. I enjoy spreading my message to others in the hopes that, hey, I, I can influence other people. And, and if they can take 
you know, things that I've said and learn from it and do better and whether they incorporate it in their firms or their lives, that's awesome. You know, I want to help people spread what knowledge I have so that they can get better as well. Before we wrap up, I want to ask you the one question that I ask everybody, and I forgot to remind you, so this is going to come <laughs> off the uh, off the top here. What's one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Build a better business. Uh, there's a book that is awesome, The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes, and it talks about processes. And so processes are everything in how you need to create a better business but being aware of what you need to change and then taking small steps. You know, don't, you don't need to change everything in your firm or you don't need to change everything that you're doing. Small incremental steps will get you to the result that you want and, and apply that to everything in your life. Take small steps. You want a weight loss. You want anything else. You want more money, small steps. You're not getting a million dollars tomorrow, but you can make a dollar and you can, you know, continue to build that way. So small steps of constant improvement. Yeah. Increments. Very good. Yep. Excellent. Excellent advice. On the web, it's pdrdesigns.com. Correct? That's your website? Yes, you can go it. check that out on the on the internet. Um, on the internet. Where else would you check that out? <laughs> PD, pdrdesigns.com. Paul's all over the social medias. Social medias? Where does my, my brain's not working right now. So, so go out on the social medias and go check them out on the Facebooks and the, <laughs> and the Twitters, whatever they're called. Um, so Paul, Paul's all over. So we'll have links to all his social media on the show notes. This is episode 256. So entrearchitect.com slash episode 256. We'll have links to everything. Paul, this was a great conversation. Uh, thanks for hanging out with me and sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you very much, Mark. It's been a pleasure. So there you go. That was entrearchitect.com slash episode 256. That's the link to share. That's the way to help us grow the Entree Architect community, your community, through this podcast. It's entrearchitect.com slash 256. This is a great one to share because we all want a better, better, more positive office culture, right? It makes everything better. So share this episode. Paul is an inspiring guy. EntreeArchitect.com slash episode 256. Go share that with one friend. Just do that. Just type it into the email and send EntreeArchitect.com slash episode 256. And go check out the Entree Architect Profit Workshop. Enrollment is closing today. You only have a few minutes if you're listening to this on Friday. Are your fees based on what you think clients expect to pay? Do you earn enough money to pay your bills every month? Do you know if your individual projects are even profitable? Are you working more hours than you need to be? Do you wish you had more time to spend working on you? When was the last time you went away for a family vacation? Don't let financial frustrations get in the way of you being the architect you want to be. Instead, build a powerful financial management system that works for your architecture firm. We'll show you how. Go visit right now, entrearchitect.com slash profit workshop to enroll. Time is running out. It ends tonight. Enrollment closes tonight, Friday, February 1st, 2019 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. Come hang out with us. Steve Wintner, the creator of the P2P Financial Management System for Architects, and I will walk you through hand-in-hand. Hand. We'll walk you through five weeks of training. And when you come out the other side, you will be a different person. You'll be a different architect. Your business will be, will, you'll know how to build a thriving business. So your clients will be happier. Your employees will be happier. Your family will be happier. You will be happier. If you're considering this, go check it out right now and enroll. It's going to be worth your time and worth your money. I know you're busy. I know it's a lot of money. This is something you should do. It will change your life forever. EntreeArchitect.com slash Profit Workshop. Go there right now. At least go check it out and learn what it's about. If you have any questions, email me at mark at entrearchitect.com and I will answer them personally. My name is Mark Arlepage and I am an entrepreneur architect and I encourage you to build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. See you at the workshop.
I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. (laughs) So for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.